Welcome to the Greybeard Chronicles podcast. Your hosts, Brian Halstead and Kevin Harkins, are two gray-bearded patriots who love God, their family and friends, and their country. The Greybeards are here to inspire, inform, and educate you on a myriad of topics they are passionate about. Brian and Kevin have a strong desire to share this with you to help you live your best life. Sit back and enjoy this amazing podcast as the Greybeards pass along the wisdom of the ages. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 41 of the Greybeard Chronicles. I'm Brian Halstead and I'm here tonight with Kevin Harkins. And Kevin, we have a special guest tonight, do we not? Yes, we do. Yes, yes indeed. Um, I, I tell you what, I'm, uh, I'm excited to, uh, to introduce this fine lady and uh, I, I've got to do so in an official format, um, reading her, her bio, because I, I, I tell you when you, when you hear this, um, it's just amazing all of the things that she's done. And uh, I think it really kind of sets the stage for what we're going to talk about tonight. So, um, bear with me and I will, uh, I will read this. People will, uh, know that we're in the presence of greatness when you finish. That's what I'm going to say. So yeah, I look That's forward awesome. to hearing it as well. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So our guest tonight is Lisa Kratz Thomas. And Lisa has given thousands of people the courage to change by sharing her stirring account of survival from drug addiction, prostitution, abortion, and incarceration. She is especially recognized as the pioneer and leader of an innovative, one-of-a-kind prisoner reentry program in the Commonwealth of Virginia. As a speaker, author of three books, and former radio talk show host, Lisa has been able to share her message of conquering adversity and unleashing potential, as well as providing a fresh perspective to helping others transform their lives. She went from living on the streets in our nation's capital to being appointed to a Senate subcommittee that studied prisoner reentry in Virginia. During her tenure on this committee, she submitted three pieces of legislation that later became law. Lisa travels across the nation speaking to correctional associations, rehabs, corporations, churches, and colleges, as well as at nonprofit fundraising events. She continues to visit multiple correctional centers in the state of Virginia, facilitating reentry seminars. Her mission in life is to shatter the delusion that some lives are considered throwaways while others are deemed indispensable. Lisa Kratz Thomas' life story will ignite the flames of possibility in all of us and spur us onward to awakened, unimaginable opportunities. So please join me in welcoming Lisa Kratz Thomas. Well, Brian, I am so excited to be here, man. This is, um, it, it's just great. I, I, I love what y'all are doing. And, and I think that, um, I think it, especially at this time that uh, this topic of overcoming adversity and really living life on purpose is going to be a good one. Yes, indeed. I, uh, I certainly think that we are dealing with some interesting times right now. Um, and uh, I think a lot of the things that you're going to talk about tonight um, will be very helpful to some folks that, um, you know, may experience some difficulties coming out of this, um, you know, stay at home order and, and, and so on because of the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you for being, uh, being on here as a guest. I'm, uh, I'm excited to, uh, to talk with you and hear your story. And I, 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 me personally, you know, you and I met each other um, many years ago, 12 plus years ago. Uh, at a motorcycle event, and um, then we uh, engaged in some uh, 
business in the nonprofit world for uh, for a couple of years, and you've been uh, critical to us in, in strengthening our motorcycle club, helping us do the paperwork to get our uh, first 501c3 launched, and uh, have been consulting with um, subsequent chapters as, as they've launched throughout the years to help them with that paperwork as well. So uh, I know I've said this to you um, it, you know, privately, but I'd like to uh, you know, publicly thank you for all that assistance um, because it's really made a, a big difference for all the folks in our club and all the things that they've been able to do in their communities. So thank you for well, that. Well, you know, I, I have to tell you that it's been, um, it's a real pleasure to work with you guys. And I have had some of the greatest experience with the, the you know, whoever was in charge of getting this thing done in the different chapters. And it's just really, it's encouraging to be and, and to work with people who are kind to one another. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's just such a lost um, way of life. And, 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 you know, the guys in, in the uh, strength and honor are awesome guys. So it's been, it's been my honor. It really has. All right. So I've been hogging up the microphone here and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to step back and uh, I'm watching Kevin cause we, uh, we got the video going so we can see each other and have those visual uh, cues as well. And I, I, I see Kevin back there kind of chomping at the bit. So I'm turning it over to you, man. No, I am fine. I am completely fine. I really am. I, um, as I mentioned to you, Lisa, just before we came on the air, what an honor to, to meet you and, uh, uh, what a gem you are in this world. And you, you said it, um, Amen. that, that, uh, it's just a different world that we live in and common decency and being kind to one another is, is something that seems to be so um, unusual right now. And, uh, and the fact that, uh, you know, you can tell by watching the videos that you can find of you uh, and you can tell in this conversation that you're one of those people that's just very approachable, very easy to talk to, which makes you particularly effective at what you do because um, I, I can't, you know, I can't imagine it's an easy thing to do uh, to walk into a prison and to, to chat with uh, with with people who are who are there, who some of them, particularly the women, are scared out of their mind, uh, wish they hadn't been there uh, in many ways or a victim of circumstances, uh, certainly more so stereotypically than, than men. And I say that because, as I mentioned, my my brother is a retired warden and I listened to decades of stories mm -hmm. about the things that, that he was doing and the difference between men and women and how they get in there. But fascinating uh, what you've been through and particularly the way that you've been able to overcome it and what you're doing with your life now. That is incredible. It really is incredible. And uh, can't wait to dig into to it a little bit with you. Well, thanks a lot for that. You know, I mean, I can tell you, I look back and you could have never told me uh, 29 years ago that, um, first of all, that I'd be alive. Second of all, that anybody would, would, would want to listen to anything I had to say, but you know, that kind of, it kind of pulls it around to the fact that we all are destined. We all have a purpose. And, you know, just the word destined means to be designed for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's anything worse than seeing somebody not living up to their potential or their purpose in life. I mean, I don't care if it's drugs, alcohol, sex, booze, I don't care what it is. You know, whatever that thing is that comes in and just steals that purpose. It's I I think it's I think it's just the epitome of of what's going on in our country. You know, there's there's a lack of purpose. And um I think when you can stir that up in somebody, um it not only helps them, but it it 
it helps me when I have the opportunity to go in and speak life into somebody else. I feel like it's just, um, it's just fertilizing those things in me that need to be fertilized. So um, thank you for your kind words. It's kind of funny though. I mean, I still, after all this time, you know, I'll just, I just sit back and I'm like, are they talking about me? <laughs> I was amazed they had to ask my husband about those things. <laughs> yes. Yes. You, um, you mentioned just right there in your commentary, people have a lack of purpose and uh, why do you think that is? Why do you, and is that different than, than when we were children? Uh, is it, is it a different world? And, and what is it about that lack of purpose? What, what is your opinion on that? Well, you know, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different reasons, but I, I, I think that I think one of them is, um, you know, this this idea of entitlement and and whether it's from the government, whether it's from parents, whether it, you know, this whole idea that has that has kind of happened over the last, let's say, 20 years, um, it 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 just steals, it just assassinates the drive in people, hmm. and if if when you've got generations of people who are living, um, you know, one generation, maybe, maybe they just don't get a full-time job. They get a part-time job. Then the next generation says, well, I'm not going to go to school. I'm just going to hang at home and then, and throw, you know, drugs and alcohol and all those different things in the mix. And, you know, what ends up happening is, you know, all these ways of helping people are, are started with the best of intentions, the best of intentions. We don't want to see people living on the street. We don't want people, you know, mentally ill walking around drug us, none of that. But the problem is that those intentions get misconstrued. And I think what has happened is people have become lazy. I mean, just lazy. And, and, you know, it's as simple as people throwing trash out the window. I mean, can you, can, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, if I threw a piece of paper at the, out, the, out of the car window, when I was in the car with my father, he'd pull the car over, he'd make me pick the paper up and then he'd whip my butt. You yeah, know, yeah. I mean, he just, I would never even think of doing that. God I would bless think him. of walking up our street as a kid and not saying hi to our neighbors. I mean, he would lose his mind. And, yeah. and I just think it's those simple things we've become so inward. It, it, it's a, it's a, it's a sense of self-gratification. And I think that it's always been there, but I, I, I believe that it's gotten um, much worse and it's much more prevalent in the last 20 years. At least that's my take, you know, dealing with addicts, dealing with, with people that are incarcerated, looking at my own, you know, story, um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that leads into that, but I think that that has a lot to do with what's going on now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just make this one comment. And, uh, and that is, you, you said it assassinates drive. It assassinates desire. That's it. That's it right there. Uh, what's the point of doing any of it? If, if it's all going to be given to you and you're not going to be able to reap right. the rewards anyway. So yeah. Thank you for that. Right. Yeah. I mean, and you know, the, the other part of that is, you know, when you, hear a lie long enough, it becomes truth to mm -hmm. us. It becomes our perception. And, you know, with, with, I mean, with everything that's going on in the world and how we've progressed in 20 years, sometimes I think, have we really, because, you know, you can just, you can just tell a lie. And if you keep repeating it, I mean, just watch the news. They can keep repeating something and, you know, in two weeks, everybody believes it. And so right. if you, you know, for me, 
um, you know, I kept hearing this lie in my head that I wasn't quite good enough. And so when you hear those things, you start to, you start to internalize those things. And I think with all of the, the media and the, you know, the different things that, that like our kids and our, our, you know, young adults are being exposed to in like, you know, at a million times faster than we were. Right. Um, it just affects all their decisions. Right. Yeah, I, the thing that was jumping out at me when you were talking about the, um, you know, the experience with your father and, and you know, how he would have reacted to things, uh, you know, we've had this conversation uh, numerous times on the podcast, you know, how, how the values in our country have eroded over time, you know, and that's one of those things, right? So that just the simple act of littering, not having respect for your environment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always had a pet peeve with cigarette butts and I've talked about that on the podcast before, so I'm not going to go down and, you know, jump on that <laughs> stump again, but, uh, you know, I think everybody knows anybody that's listening knows how I feel about that. Um, yeah, there's just, there's so many things. Um, so this, this is an interesting question and, and not something that I had intended to ask you. Um, however, the, the, the conversation thus far caused this to come to my mind. Um, what do you think is, or do you think that there's something bigger at play right now with what's going on with this coronavirus and what's happening with our society and to the world in general, right? To the earth, I'll mm-hmm. say. Well, you know, Brian, I'm a woman of faith and um, and I believe that our country was built on um, faith in God. And I believe that uh, our morals were structured on faith in God. And I really think that um, I, I believe nothing happens in God's world by mistake. And, you know, um, he does the work. We just kind of show up and and we, we're given free will. But I really think you, we can look at this. You know, we have two choices in life. We can look at things in a negative way or in a positive way. That doesn't mean positive being Pollyanna and, and not looking at the truth of what's going on. But I've, I've been looking at this situation and I, I really believe that God's trying to get our attention. I mean, you know, it's, you can only, you cannot mock God. You know, you can't. And there comes a time where he gives us a chance. He gives us a chance to redeem ourselves. And I I think it's kind of ironic that it happened on Easter, the day that Christians believe that God came to bring redemption to the world. Um, But I, what I see is, getting back to the basics. You know, I mean, right now in my home, I've got my grown daughter and my, and my grown son and my son is at law school. Well, they kicked him off the campus and he's here doing law school online. Well, I got to tell you, I am thrilled as a mom because I have both my kids and my husband in the same house. And you know, we've always ate dinner together. We always spent time together. It was a priority in our life. But it's really awesome to be able to do that. To, to they're putting they're in their twenties. They, they're putting together a puzzle downstairs. I mean, it's like, and I think that it's this whole thing that's happening is an opportunity to bring us back, to bring us back to where we were, to love thy neighbor, to love your country. You know, and listen, you don't have to be a religious zealot. You don't have to be some crazy. You know. A uh, person walking around with a gun on the street. It doesn't have, you don't have to, you don't have to hate anybody to be a patriot 
And you don't have to be a Bible beating nut to love God. And I think as we talked about before, all these things have been so blown out of proportion that when you start talking about this stuff, um, people start shutting you down. And it's like, you know, I'm just one of them people, honey, you can put me in the, in the, in the ring because I am always up for a good fight and I will fight till the end when it comes to God and my country and my family, because it's those three things that changed my entire life. They were in my life. I moved from them. And when I started to realize that's exactly what brought me back to living a purposeful life. So, um, you know, I mean, there's all these theories and all these things, but it's also, you know, how does it affect you and how, how have you seen it? And I'm, I'm sorry for the, for the people that are hurting through this. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be glib or, or, or uncaring, but I also, I am not going to let them, okay, take away my joy, my peace or anything else. I'll stand and fight, but the government or whoever or whatever is not going to siphon my joy from my life, period. So. Whew, man, Ryan, that was a, <laughs> it's a, yeah, nothing to add to that one. Yeah. It's a shame <laughs> she didn't get very worked up about that. I know. Um, <laughs> no, that I, I'm just, I'm sitting here on, on my stool, just, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. I mean, that, that is just yeah. powerful, absolutely powerful. And I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, I, I think in so many ways it's, it's the, it's God's way of, of, helping us fix ourselves, right? It is that, you know, grabbing us by the freaking throat and shaking us because we got some jacked up stuff going on as a, as a culture, as a, as a world, um, things that we need to fix. And, uh, it is horrible for the folks that are having to deal with this. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I hope people are paying attention and, and making changes in their lives because, you, you know, you mentioned the, you know, joy, um, and peace. And, and, you know, sometimes those things are right in front of us and we don't see them because we're distracted by all the other nonsense that's going on in our lives. And this is a great opportunity to, uh, to slow down a minute and pay attention and uh, realize that those things are right here and they have been all along. And, and, uh, you know, it, it, and it could be, you know, things that you're missing right now too, right? So certain loved ones that you can't spend time with certain activities, um, that you, you can't do and engage in, in things with certain people that you care about. Um, and those are all things that you, uh, you need to pay attention and make note of so that you can make sure you're doing those later when mm -hmm. this, when things get back to our new normal, I don't right. know that everything, anything will actually go back to exactly like it was before. It won't. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just like after nine 11, you know, so, so big and so impactful that it, it will be different <clears throat> for sure. Mm-hmm. Lisa, I wanted to ask you to reflect on this a little bit. Um, we've already hinted on it here. People are hurting out there. Many, many people are hurting in, in this country, in the world, but I, I'm going to say particularly in this country. And I personally believe it is because we have lost our moral compass. We have lost our, um, our spiritual true north in many respects. And, uh, and, and you do that, all of a sudden you'll start believing in anything. But one of the one of the byproducts of that kind of a life is that you might wake up somebody might wake up um, like you did and be in a hole that is so deep because of decisions they've made repeatedly over and over and over again that started this downward spiral and all of a sudden they wake up and they they just have no hope anymore and 
they, they just think, I mean, and they start having thoughts of suicide and, you know, all kinds of other things are just completely unplugging. What do you, what do you say today to people? Cause there's a lot of people out there who, who find themselves in that hole. And what do you say to people today about well, that? You know, first I want to qualify a little bit, cause sometimes, you know, when you hear people talk, you can say, well, it's easy for you to say, you know, uh, you've never been there. You have no idea what I'm going through. Well, you know, I do, because I can tell you, I lost my moral compass. I was using drugs. I ended up walking the streets, selling my body in a domestic violent relationship. I've been incarcerated. I've been in the nut wards. I mean, I have, I have experienced things in my life and, and as uh, that, that were horrible, they were low bottom, and it was, it was a horrible way to live. I mean, you know, I used to ride the Metro in DC to stay warm because I had nowhere to go, but it was my choice because what was more important to me was escaping the thoughts of my mind. And it's like a vicious cycle. You know, you start out, let's party a little bit, then you go to the next thing. And then you get in this cycle where, you know, you use, so you forget what you did and then you do more and you have to use more and it quits working. And so my life, got to this point, it wasn't about just going out and having a couple beers. It, 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 it was every waking moment of my life. I was, I, I needed to get high and I, I was addicted to crack and I was going to do anything and everything that I had to do to get that. And I can tell you, um, after being incarcerated for a year, I walked out of the doors of Arlington County jail. I met my pimp boyfriend, I walked across the street to the Pizza Hut. I drank a pitcher of beer. I wrote a bad check and I was back in the crack house in two hours. And about 20 minutes after that, I was getting my head bashed in. And I remember leaving and walking out and sitting on the curb. And I, I, I just, I was thinking to myself, I was clean and sober a whole year in jail and I wanted to go back to jail. I wanted to go back to jail because during that time, it was the first time in 13 years that I had ever realized what was going on in my life and what I was willing to do. Moral compass. I mean, there was no morality in me. I would do whatever I had to do to escape the walls of my own mind that I created. And I'll tell you, I sat on that curb that day. And I looked up and I said, you know what, if you're, if there's a God up there, you either change me or you kill me because I ain't living like this no more. Mm. And, and, and I have to tell you, I, you know, I got involved in 12 step recovery and I got around people who were just like me, people who had, had, they'd been through some stuff in life. And I walked into those rooms and I saw these people that were happy and joyous and free. And I'm like, shoot, I don't know what they're on, but I want some of it. Yeah. I want some of that. Yeah. And, and what I've learned, I, I, I've been sober 29 years and that's a long time. Yep. Um, but what I've learned in those 29 years is exactly what you said. Yes. Alcoholism and addiction is a mental malady but it is compounded by uh, the, the total destruction of our moral compass. Mm. So I learned what a moral compass, I was raised with a moral compass, but as I moved from that, I, I, I got further and deeper into it that when it came back around through these years, I mean, you know, 
here I am, a strong conservative woman who I, I was looking for somebody to give me a handout 24 seven. I mean, it's amazing what happens when you start to realize you're responsible for your own daggone life. Yeah. So, yeah. Whew. Again. <laughs> well, you asked. I, I, yes, yes. I, I, I love the that's Right, you get what you asked for. And that's exactly what we want to hear, though. Right. Um, that's right. the message that you have, uh, along with many others, that is so, so powerful and that uh, so many people need to hear and can benefit from. So thank you. Thank you for sharing. And, yeah. I, and I know we're just getting started. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dial it back just a little bit and, and we'll see. This might not, right? So, um, Lisa might not let you dial it back. Yeah, That's she, what I've learned She, so she, she might, might not. But I don't, and I don't know that I want to dial it back. Right. But this, um, I, I, I'm just curious you know, with all the things that you've been through and, and, and how you have uh, figured out to, you know, take control of your mind and that, you know, you are responsible for that. Um, what would you say, in your opinion, are three traits that are essential for someone's success? Um, well, first of all, you've, you've got to have self-honesty. Um, you know, there's cash register, cash register honesty, but there's self-honesty. You have to be able to be honest with yourself. You also have got to believe in something bigger than yourself and you've got to be committed. And I, I, I mean, those things for me opened up, you know, many other trails to go down, you know, to become a person of character, to become a person that helps other people. But, you know, it wasn't until I could look at myself and see I had some I had some issues, man. I mean, of course, not everybody has the, the they're not dealing with the things I dealt with, but we all have stuff. We all have stuff. But it isn't until we look at ourselves and say, okay, here's here's my weaknesses. Here's the things that I need to admit and I need to work on. And the for me. Yeah, listen, I had tried every single way possible to quit using drugs. I mean, and if there had been a way, I'd have found it, Brian. I can tell you, it's the kind of, you know, I'm the kind of person. If you tell me no, my my thought is, wait a minute, let me ask the question in another way, because obviously you're not getting one. No <laughs> is not in my vocabulary. So so when I look at that and I and I say, okay, here's my weaknesses, the only thing that has ever, ever, ever dug me out and given me a foundation is my faith in God. Now we can take that as far as we want. For me, listen, I had a brain that needed to be washed. I needed to be brainwashed. I needed people around me telling me God loves you and you have a purpose in life, Lisa. When I got those two things, being honest, saying, here's my weaknesses. I have this foundation. There's something bigger than me, something that, that, is, is basically, you know, in control of, of this life in this world. When I committed to those two things, Brian, it was like, I was just this, I, I, could, I, I didn't want to stop. I, I, I started to feel so good about living. I mean, you know, when you wake up every day and you're in a rent by the hour hotel and you don't even own but one set of clothes and you make those kind of choices when you start turning your life around and you start getting this joy and this ability to live your life and you realize you know what it's not my power 
because my power got me where I was. Everything changed. So I became committed to that change. And um, man, it was like, I tell you what, if you could bottle that stuff, you'd be a millionaire because there is nothing like a person who has those qualities of, of, you know, knowing that they've got issues, but it's okay. And knowing that God is there for them and then saying, I'm committed to working on me and doing what you want me to do, God. And, and it, it's, it's a powerful combination. Yes, indeed. I, I love this, right? I had to write this down. I had a brain that needed to be washed. How cool is that? Yeah, I, I've, I've never heard anyone spin it quite like that. That is absolutely, and I'm, I'm not saying you're spinning it in a negative way. I, I, just the way you frame that up and, and what it causes you to think about, right? Because it's all about what you're putting in your head, right? So you're in charge of that. And uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's powerful. Yeah, you taught me a long time ago, Toma, top of the mind awareness. I don't know. You, you I mean, that was like this remarkable thing to me because, you know, what is it that's on the top of your mind? And, and, you know, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about. Why is it that, um, that people, that this generation or things are different now, what is on the top of our mind? You know, um, <laughs> there's a lot of jacked up stuff that, that infiltrates into our thinking and, you know, it, we can't control what comes into our mind, but we can control what we do with it. I mean, we can definitely can, because trust me, for the first couple of years of my sobriety, I mean, I used every single day. If I wasn't drinking, I was smoking dope. If I wasn't smoking dope, my favorite was crack. So, you know, I didn't have a, a, a sober thought in like 12 or 13 years. And, and it's just, it's, it's amazing how when things turn around, um, just, I don't know, just how powerful it is. When you're uh, when you're going through something like that on the on the downward spiral part of it, um, and I, I don't want to keep focusing on the past, but the reason I, I ask those questions is because I'm thinking about those people who are struggling, and uh, and and maybe there's a, you know a phrase, a word, a thought that you put out there that that captures their attention and sort of snaps them out of it. But you know when you start making those those little decisions, because you don't you know it's not one day you're in church. And the next day you wake up and you're living homeless on the street, you know, as a crack addict, it, it, there's been a thousand or, or 10,000 little decisions all along the way that, that got you there. Were you aware that that was happening to you? Were you, were you, you know, knew, did you, did you know that this was, you were, you were on the wrong path and you just kept doing it because you couldn't control it or, and, and, and then, so the, the follow on to that is how do you get a hold of it? So, yeah, I knew, I, I definitely knew that it was wrong. I mean, once I started on this path, but again, what happens is, and this is the thing that, that, that people have a hard time understanding because they're like, why don't you just stop? Well, it's not just the drug. It's, it's the lifestyle. It's the thoughts you have about yourself. It's, it's what you've done while you've been high. And like I said before, it's, it's this vicious cycle. And you're always trying to get the same relief that you got from the first time you either took that drink or you took that drug or, or whatever. I mean, the first time I drank, I drank, this is, I drank three bottles of Boone's Farm, Strawberry Hill when I was 14 years old, three. Okay. I knew one wasn't going to be enough. I knew that before I even started drinking it. And as I drank that bottle and that booze hit my system, 
I felt this freedom inside of me that I had never felt before. And I can tell you, I chased that for until I was 31 years old through everything I could find. So here, so you say, well, I got to the point where I just, I was either going to change or I was going to die. And there's a lot of people out there. I'm sure you're feeling right now. You know, I can't do this. Either something's got to give or, or I'm out of here, man. Whether it's a bad marriage, your kids are jacked up, you, your finance, finances are, you know, are, are messed up. You know, how I did this seriously was I was taught to do the next right thing. Mm. Do the next right thing. Not go. the next thing that feels good. Not the next thing that's going to get you in trouble. And I was also, I was also taught to think through the decisions you're going to make. Because I can remember calling people in 12 step and saying, look, I'm going to, I'm going to get drunk. I can't handle all this crap. And, and they would say, okay, well, let's, let's think through what you, so you go and you drink and you know, you're going to, you'll get so drunk that, you know, somebody will have to drive you home and then you'll probably go get high and then you'll spend all your money. And I had to think through every little decision that I was going to make so that I could see what the consequence was. And, and those were things that I was just never taught to do. And, you know, I, I have to say that there is there, here's the thing that I think that when I talk about value of life, there is always something that you can live for. Even though you feel like you can't, there is always something to live for. Wow. And, yeah. and I can remember feeling that I was unloved. Nobody, nobody wanted me. I mean, you know, I was getting beat up all the time. My, my parents didn't want me. My boyfriend didn't want me, you know, and, and I just, I can just remember feeling so bad about myself, but there was something inside of me, something inside of me that kept saying, you can do this. You can keep going. And that next right thing. I mean, that's a powerful statement and it's, and you know, you got to self-talk. you got to say to yourself, wait a minute. What's the next right thing? Is this is this something I want to do, or is this the best thing for me to do? Yeah. Wow. There's just, there's like a whole. I mean, Bryant, we, we got a whole list of life lessons here that we. <laughs> I know <laughs> when I go back and listen to this again, uh, it's it, this. These are just full of gems. Goodness. Thank you. Sure. Awesome. I got more, but I'm gonna I'm gonna let Brian ask. Yeah, that. and it's you know the thing that that jumped out when you were last talking about you know you you mentioned that uh, you know you're talking to yourself right. So we we all have conversations with our with ourselves, and and most of the time it's negative. So when you when you take charge of it and change it into a positive, um, that's a powerful thing, and uh, and and then you make a habit out of that instead of the other way around. You know, it being negative. So that's uh, thank you for sharing that. All right, so let's see here. I wanted to ask you what, thinking through all the things that you've done, all the experiences you've had, things that you've accomplished um, personally, professionally, what haven't you done yet that you still want to do? Oh my gosh, what haven't I done? Um, well, you know, I <laughs> there's people I want to meet. Uh, I, I'd love to meet President Trump. Um, I'd love to get a book in his hands, um, one of my last books, because here's the thing. I want to I want to meet. I love meeting people that are underdogs that become overcomers. I love people that are bold and that aren't afraid to stand up for what they believe in. Um, 
I, 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 I love to, to interact with people and, and help them see that it doesn't matter where you are. It's not your education. It's not, it's, it's the passion. So I would love to do that. I'd love to do a TV show or, or go back and do another radio show on a regular basis. Um, I would like to, uh, I'm going to be, I'm in the middle of actually writing another book. I do love to write and, um, you know, and just kind of get my thoughts down on paper and, um, just raw and real. Um, and so I think those are things, but what I really love to do the most, Brian, is I love to go and speak at different venues for these things that, that we're talking about, uh, prisoner reentry, um, you know, drug addiction and recovery and reproductive loss. And, and I've experienced all three of those things in my life. And those are populations of people that are marginalized and dis disenfranchised. And they're, they're, they're people who find it very difficult to stir up hope and excitement. Um, and I love being able to stand, whether it's on a platform in front of 12,000 people like I did at Liberty University or whether it's in a prison in front of 40 guys that are getting ready to be released. I love to watch people's, the, the lights come on in their eyes and the excitement stirring inside of them. So um, that's one of my favorite things to do. For hey, sure. Kevin, yeah. can, can you humor me? Because I, I, we had a little uh, glitch with the uh, internet here and I was frozen and I was talking um, and I was probably talking over everything that you guys were saying. Um, okay. Can you ask that question again? I can. Yeah. The question I was asking her is um, the, the comment that she has spoken about several times as well as is on her website in that uh, some lives are considered throwaways while others are deemed indispensable. And I was just asking her where that came from and what were the experiences that, that led her to say that. And, and that's what she was explaining. So. Gotcha. It really comes from when, you know, I can remember when, um, I was, you know, walking the streets and I was, you know, I, I wore the same clothes for days and I didn't take a shower and, I didn't have any money and I can remember how people would look at me. I also can remember how I was treated by um, men that were my Johns. Uh, I remember how I was treated by uh, my pimp. And I also remember the, I, I, and I've seen people and, and I don't want to put people in classes, but I've seen people who uh, either have a lot of power or a lot of money that, that, you know, they hide behind that and somehow they, they, they put themselves in a different class or a different representation of the human race because of an achievement. And um, I can tell you, you know, I still am the same person today. I mean, I do different things, but inside I have the same feelings and the same, um, the same heart. And, you know, I just, when I see men and women, especially people that are, that are coming out of incarceration that have paid their debt to society and they're treated like second-class citizens, nobody wants to hire them. Nobody wants to rent to them. Um, it is, it get, I can't deal with injustice on any level. It just bothers me so bad. And I feel like I have to get in there and fight for them. Um, so yeah, 
Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, and I appreciate it. I, I wasn't sure um, exactly where that was coming from. And, and that does make a lot of sense. Okay, so now we're going to pick up where we left off before we had the malfunction with the, uh, the internet freezing on uh, Zoom. Well, the first thing I said was uh, Liberty University, right? And and if you're and I was talking to our listeners that um, if you haven't seen this, you got to check it out. So go to YouTube, uh, search Lisa Kratz Thomas, um, and that's Kratz K R A T Z, and uh, and check that video out. Absolutely um, inspiring presentation that you did, and I would encourage other people to listen to that. And then the uh, the follow on question that I had was uh, books. You mentioned books. You're working on what? Book number four. I'm working on book number four. Um, it's entitled Shame Slayer. And um, all my all of my books deal with, you know, my life, something uh, uh, that I've experienced um, in my life and and um, and how, um, you know, uh, I've been able to move from one spot to another. Of course, I have to give credit to God for that. But um, the, so I, I yeah, I've there's a lot, when you do a lot of speaking, you meet a lot of people and you know this, Brian, you, you, people, people want to tell you their story. You know, one of the things that I learned in 12 step is a saying, you're only as sick as your secrets. And, you know, the things that, that I deal with people that are in recovery or reentry or people who have had, you know, reproductive loss, I'm, I'm very pro-life that, that, that suffer, you know, with, um, uh, a lot of depression over that. They want to tell you, they want to tell you. And a lot of those people, they, they hide things for the very reason that some people are, are more deemed more valuable than others. And I have had people through the years come up to me and tell me things like they'll say, can I tell you my secret? And what an honor it is. You know, it almost brings me to tears because I'm thinking, who am I that you would I mean, what a gift I've been given to be able just to hear people's hearts, their hurts. And I don't have the answer, but you know what? I can just, they tell me, I can give them a hug. I can say, I know how you feel. And I can tell you, you're not going to carry that as a burden anymore. Because once you share something with one person, it's split in a half. It's the concept of 12-step recovery. And so you know, being able to, to do that with people, um, is really a, it, it, it's, it's such a joy and such an honor, um, to do that. And I, I think I kind of lost the train of what we were actually talking about. I got so excited about what you asked. I started thinking about all these people. Doesn't matter. No, it's all, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> I, uh, I'd asked about books, right? So you're working on number four. Yeah. Um, so. Okay, so um, I was thinking about this. I mean, really, I, I all of a sudden I had this this like visualization of all these people that I've been able to meet. So the one thread that runs through a lot of these different people is the concept of shame. And shame is one of those things that is, it's kind of like, um, it's the silent killer. Um, you know, shame is the, it's, it's, you know, for those people that that know the Bible, it's the first thing that the enemy used against Adam and Eve. He made them feel ashamed. They had to cover up. And I'll tell you, I've I've watched through um, many different um, 
you know, different types of people from very high level people that are high profile people to people who maybe nobody would, would even know who they are. And I can tell you that thread of shame stops people from living their life and being authentic and being willing to take chances because they get so afraid that they have to be something that it stops them from branching out and, and doing those things that what we really opened up with that are purposeful, that are part of who they are. You know, the, uh, you just reminded me of another question that I had written down. The sister of shame is guilt. And, um, you know, those two go hand in hand. And you're right, people, people will, will completely contort their lives and their mentality because they're afraid they're going to be discovered. And, and that shame will, will go from just in their own head to, to public. But um, there's a, Brian and I were actually speaking about this for just a minute before, um, before you joined us today, um, this, this issue of, of guilt. And, sh- and I didn't say shame, but you can lump them together. Uh, there are a lot of people who, um, who continue to punish themselves for years, decades, maybe the rest of their life and completely stunt what they're capable of doing because, because of that. Um, how did you deal with it? And, and what, what would you say to people about that? Well, first of all, guilt is, um, it's, it's about what you did. Guilt is you, you've got feelings over what you did. Shame is that you're ashamed of who you are as a person. Okay. So, and I know that's a, a fine line, but you know, it's one thing to, to look at, at something that you did and you can kind of let it go. But when it starts seeping into and into you believing that you're a bad person, um, that's, that's a difficult thing to let go of. But for me, what I found is when I started to find out who God says I was, who did he say I was? What did he make me for? What, what, what is out there for me? I'm the light. I'm the, I am, I'm the branch. I'm the, I mean, all these things. And this is how I, this is how I overcame this negative aspect of myself because, you know, I mean, if you just even look at the, at the way our country was founded and what America was known for, we were pick them up by our bootstraps. We can get it done. We have the ingenuity. We're go-getters. We're hard workers. We don't say no. You know, I remember when the men went off to war, the women, you know, went in and took care of the factories and the, and I mean, it's like that type of um, sense of, of pride. And I don't mean pride in a bad way, but uh, pride in, in, in living your life. Um, I think that that is something that, um, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to relate this back. It's, it, it, that overtakes all of those negative things. Okay. Does that make yeah, sense? It does. Yeah. So, um, and I think that's what you have to do. You, you, the, the, the way that you, the way that you get out of this, see, the whole thing for me is I could not think my way out of this by myself. Right. I could not on my own figure out a way to get better, to let go of my shame. And let me tell you, I thought I was a bad person since I was five years old. I thought there was something wrong with me. And, and, you know, people say, why, why, why? Well, like when you don't, when you're not being directed in a way that says you, 
in, in a positive way that you can, you're, you're, you're valuable, all these different things, you start to believe lies. So here I am, I believe these lies about myself. And then all I did was build on those lies. So, you know, I can remember being in places when I first got sober. And when I first started to work on the, the, um, reentry home for women, um, you know, I was, uh, I knew I'd have to raise money. And I remember people telling me, you know, Lisa, nobody is going to give money to a person that has, you know, that's been convicted of three felonies. You're not going to get money. Who's going to trust you with money, especially because they were forgery and uttering who, what government entity, what private funder is going to give you money so you can help other people coming out of prison. And, you know, it was, it was things like this. And I just finally said, you know what? I don't care what you think of me. I know what God thinks of me. And I know I have a purpose in this life. And you know what? I never had any problem standing on the bar, tearing off half my clothes, screaming for the Redskins. But boy, I'll tell you, when it came to me doing something meaningful, there was something in me that stopped me that said, oh, you can't do that. You don't have, you're not valuable enough to do that. And I started talking to myself. I'm like, well, you know what? I'll just make a fool of myself then because I did it for years for things that meant nothing. At least if I do it for this, I'm, I'm, it's for something that has some value. Yeah. 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 One, wow. one thing that you said to me years ago, Lisa, and uh, I can't remember the exact setting that we were in when, uh, when you said this, but um, you talked about um, handling situations like that, where, right? So, you know, where you have that uh, second guessing of yourself, you know, I can't do this and so on. And, and it all related back to fear. And, uh, and what you said was do it afraid. Right. Just push yeah. yourself through it and, and, and do it afraid and it gets easier. And, you know, all fear, the acronyms, it, it's false evidence appearing real. Right. And, you know, we can apply that to a lot of things that that are going on in our world right now. I mean, and and sometimes, yeah, you just have to not let fear take over, you know, the, the things that you're going to do. If you fail, so what? I mean, so what? Brush yourself off, pick yourself up and just try it again. I mean, let me tell you, Brian, when I, when you encouraged me to write my first book and you were a big catalyst in that, I mean, I'm a high school graduate. Okay. I, I don't, I, I don't know how to write. I mean, I was like, how am I going to write? I, so you know what I did? I just started writing like I talked. I mean, I put a comma. I'd have 12 commas in a sentence, you know? But there's people who could do, who could figure that out. Right. And and I just did it because I said, there's so many people that keep saying to me, Lisa, you should do this. And, you know, that's what I tell those guys in prison. I said, look, when there's enough people that tell you, they give you positive affirmations about yourself, like you're a good listener or you're a great singer, or you really write great poetry, or whatever it is, you know, it, after a while, you have to start looking at yourself and saying, hmm, maybe it's true, maybe I should try that. So, you know, I just said, if I write this book, and nobody buys it, it or nobody gets anything from it, or it doesn't help anybody, at least I did something with my story. And I have a legacy to li- to leave my kids and my grandkids and anybody else that could possibly help. Yep. Yeah. And now you're working on number four. That's outstanding. Yeah. That, that is awesome. One of the things I thought about though, Lisa, that when you were talking was, and, and I'm sure you experienced it. And I, I, I think I know what the answer is, but 
you're coming out of this. You've, you've decided that, um, that God loves you and that's more important than anything else. And that's, that's the, the, the mental handle you're going to use to continue to get yourself out of it. But there are many people out there and we see it every single night on the, on the news. And it's just become such a part of our society. People want to remind you of the things that you should be ashamed of. You know, they, they constantly are throwing it back in your face you know, saying you should be ashamed of yourself for this. How come you're not more humble? Why don't you resign? Why don't you step down? Why don't right. you, you know, all of that stuff. And that, that especially, you know, of course, you know, um, you know, poster, poster child example number one is President Trump and all right. the stuff that he's done. Right. Uh, and he is just, he's been like, you know, BB's off a hippo. He just keeps going. I right. mean, I, that guy is remarkable. I know. Uh, but uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about all that? Well, you know, I'd say to them, uh, you know, well, don't let me see your dirty laundry, honey. Yeah. Okay. You know, I mean, you know, I love these people who think they've never done anything. Because right. let me tell you something, we've all done something. Yep. All of us have yep. done something. And, and you know, it's always weighing it against us. I, I'm like, man, don't ever come at me with that. Because I'm just like, trust me. We, You know, what about you? And especially people like, you know, who lived their life maybe before they had a relationship with God and now they do. I mean, you know, what really gets me a lot is when I hear people of faith, you know, criticizing our president and I'm like, yo, dude, where were you before you surrendered? Right. You know? And you know what the other thing is, okay. Is there also a possibility that we're being changed day by day from from situation to situation, from, you know, circumstance to circumstance. You know, I hope that every day when something happens in my life, I don't always handle it perfectly. I've, I've messed up a lot of things, but I've learned from that. And as I learn from those things and I, and I lay my head down at night, you know, I was taught in, in, in 12 step, take an inventory of your day. You know, what did you do right and what did you do wrong? And then say, you know, God, help me tomorrow. Help me do what I, I did right better. And, and those things that I did wrong, help me see it and change it. And it's like when you when you can live that way, you know, it, I heard a saying once, when you have a finger pointing out at somebody, you've got three fingers pointing back at you. And it's right. like, you know, I, I, I it's hard for me to point out people's faults, because I'll tell you what, man, I, I, you know, I, I think of, of, uh, Paul in the Bible, he says, man, I'm the king of all sinners. And I'm like, you know what? I'm the queen of all sinners. So I have no place telling anybody what they do is right or what they do is wrong. You know, um, as far as their faith and moving and, and, and that sort of thing. So, I mean, there's right and wrong. Don't get me, you know, I'm not, that's not to be misconstrued, but I'm just talking about in their life and what the mistakes they've made and how they're trying to embedder themselves. Um, you know, that's the, isn't that the American dream? Aren't we supposed to be, this is a, a land of second chances and, um, you know, come here and, you know, you know, you can, you can make it here. Um, so, yeah. Yep. And, uh, and we have to continue to fight for that. Um, uh, Brian and I talk about that on the podcast all the time. It's, it's, uh, the, these freedoms that we enjoy. And I know there's a pendulum that swings back and forth and sometimes it's too far to one side and sometimes it's too far to the other side. And, and right now it seems, particularly in the state of Virginia, sort of swung out of, uh, out of control, but we gotta, we gotta fight for, for that stuff that, 
that is America and was America and we want to continue to be America over time. So thank you mm -hmm. for saying that. So Lisa, I got, I got one other question for you and this is uh, it's kind of a scenario question. I want you to, to imagine, and, and you've probably covered some of this already, but I want you to do it in this, this scenario, right? So you're uh, out shopping or, you know, wh wherever you are and you run across somebody who is in a dire situation, right? They're, they're, um, they've hit rock bottom. They, uh, you know, are, are an addict. They're, you know, on the street. Um, and you've got 30 seconds to share a message with this person that's going to make a difference for them. What would you say? First, I'd ask them if they're done. Are they sick and tired of living the way they're living? Because if the, if the answer isn't yes, anything I say doesn't make any difference. If they say yes, I would say, well, I know a way. First of all, I know a God who can help you. I know a place we can go and, and I will take you there. And I have no problem taking anybody to a 12-step meeting. I do it all the time. And then it's up to them. Sometimes people just need to know that somebody cares. And I don't have to be codependent and, and, and lead them around and get them a place to live or feed them breakfast or anything else. I just have to make a step in the right direction. You know, and I think that's something that we, sometimes we feel overly responsible. You know what? Look, we can lead a horse to water and that's all we can do. And, and I would say to them, there is a better way of life. I did it two weeks ago. There's a guy standing on the corner down here in Richmond. And he, he asked me for money. I said, are you a drug addict? And he said, yeah. I said, man, aren't you tired of standing on the corner begging for money? He said, sometimes I am. And sometimes I'm not. I said, well, how do you feel today? He goes, I'm not tired of it. I said, all right. I said, when I see you again, I'll ask you then. Wow. So, yep. That's powerful. That's amazing. Yeah, that is. I can see that working in 30 seconds. If that's all you got. That was a great question, Brian. <laughs> yeah, Thanks, good. And it was. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, I tell you what, we, uh, we are fast approaching our normal, uh, allotted time, if you will. I don't, uh, I don't want to cut you short though, Lisa. So I know you've got wonderful things to, to share with folks. So is there anything that we haven't asked you or something that you just know that you have to share before we leave here tonight? You know, I just want to, I just want to really tell people that it's never too late. It's just never too late that there is a chance for you to turn your life around and to have hope and to, to have meaning and to have purpose. It takes a step in the right direction. It takes a lot of effort on your part, but I can tell you this, God is not in the business to hurt us. He's not, he wants the best for us. And all I can say to anyone who's hurting anyone who is, is just feeling like it's the end or they can't stir up any hope. I would say, get on your knees and ask God to help you. And you'll be amazed at the things that will happen in your life. Excellent. Excellent. Kevin, any, uh, any parting thoughts or last questions that you have? No, no, I'm done. I've, I've asked what I wanted to, and I just sit here in awe, uh, <laughs> reflecting on, uh, on the things that you said, Lisa, as well as the passion with which you said it. And uh, we're thrilled again that you, you took the time to, to be with us. And, and um, we're, we're certainly going to yell the fact that you were with us from the highest mountaintops yes, indeed. so that people can hear it and hope you will too. 
Well, that's and, it, Brian. Thank and, you. And on that subject, right? So, Lisa, you you we talked about the books that you have out there, uh, the, the fact that you uh, are interested in speaking gigs and and you're and doing that stuff all over the country. Um, I, I have no doubt that that somebody is going to listen to this podcast and want to know more about you, um, want to get your books and and uh, and so on. So, how do, how do they do that? How do they find you? Best way to find me, get books and everything is on my website, lisakratzthomas.com. Lisa, K-R-A-T-Z, thomas.com. My books are on there, how to contact me for speaking, all my information. Um, yeah, so that's the best way, lisakratzthomas.com. Great, great. Thank you. And I would encourage you guys to uh, to check that out. Um, and I, uh, I'm certainly interested to, uh, to see this new book when it, uh, when it comes out. So I'm, uh, you got me, you got me definitely interested in, in hearing that the rest of that story. Yep. So, yeah. um, I, I tell you, this is, um, this is even better than what I knew it would be. Right. Aww. So I was very excited to, to have you as a guest and I appreciate your willingness to, uh, to be on the podcast with us and, and share your story and, uh, the things that you have to offer to help other people. And uh, like I said, this is this is even better than I knew it would be. Aww. So thank you. Well, it's certainly been my honor, Brian, and I really appreciate what you guys are doing. And, uh, you know, you have a special place in my heart. So I appreciate, um, you know, just just your love for, for God in the country. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I, I echo those same sentiments. All right, so um, Kevin, you know what we uh, what we have to do now. Um, yes, and we, uh, Lisa, we if you've listened, I know you've listened to the, uh, some podcasts. You know how we close this thing out, but it's usually very easy to do because we're in each other's presence. So we have these little you know cues and so on. We know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, what I want to say is uh, thank you to everyone who took time to listen to this, and uh, just remember, no matter where you are or what you're doing, stay focused on the fact that this life is a journey to be enjoyed. So make sure to enjoy the ride. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Great Beard Chronicles. Please subscribe so you'll receive notification when new episodes are available. To learn more about the Greybeards, visit their website, graybeardchronicles.com.